am an associate pastor at Trinity Fellowship Church, and I am so excited to be with you this morning. I am married to my beautiful wife. We have been together for almost 20 years. We have three beautiful kids and three beautiful uh, grandboys. I want to tell you something that's maybe just a bit interesting about me. Of course, I'm tall, um, so I play basketball. Uh, but growing up, I always wanted to be 6'6", like Michael Jordan. So I tell everyone that I would pray uh, to be 6'6", all the time. And God blessed me with that height. And so I am just so blessed that uh, he chose me uh, to be uh, tall as Michael Jordan. And that's what I always wanted to be. Church, I just pray a blessing and a provision over you all during this transition time. Uh, we lend our support uh, whenever it's needed. We are definitely here for you, and we are praying for you during this time of transition that God will uh, place the perfect person uh, to lead this congregation. And you are here to help in any way. I don't know if I've ever had an introduction like that, but that's pretty nice. Uh, good morning, Journey Church. I am Brandon Smith. Uh, so honored to be here this morning. Uh, it was just amazing just uh, me and my wife hanging out uh, this morning, visiting with people. Uh, I found out that I know a lot more people than I thought I knew that go to this church. Uh, Charles Jones, pastor, I think that was my pastor, uh, he baptized me uh, when I was a junior in high school. And that's, you know, part of my testimony. I tell that all the time when I uh, give you know, water baptism. So I saw him this morning. It's been a long time. Uh, he still looks the same, though. He looks, I mean, he hasn't aged a bit. So um, so good to see him and, and so good to see you and so good to be here this morning. Like I said, I'm with my wife, uh, Christy. She's here with me. And so um, I'm just excited to be here. Um, I wanted to start off, and that was a little introduction Um to who I am, and also wanted to uh, also like to just express and and uh, give this background on me as well. I'm from Amarillo, graduated from Calavera High School, Northside Pride. Go Dons! We have a lot of Dons today. If you're not from Calavera, one thing I did want to address though, Sunday we, there's a big game today, and one thing I was confused about is Journey Church. How do you let all these people here in Philadelphia Eagles jerseys and <laughs> San Francisco and this is cowboy country, isn't it? But sadly, my wife and my son, they're, they're Eagles fans. So. I don't know. We, we, we went wrong raising our son. So, so don't hold that against me. Um, as I said, I have a beautiful wife. We have three kids. We have three grand boys. Those are our lives. Uh, I push our kids to the side. You know, our, our grand boys, those, those, are, those are our hearts. And so um, when we talk about Today, what I really want to bring and talk about was, uh, we'll talk about a few things today, unpacking things. Um, the start of this, we'll talk about identity. Um, it's, been a, it's been a great weekend for us. Uh, my wife and, and my son, yesterday, they had a chance to speak at a uh, single woman's conference, and that was awesome. Uh, gave their testimony. Um, and so we've been, we had a chance to speak last night. They spoke in the afternoon, and my wife and I had a chance to, at an associate pastor at Trinity Fellowship Church, and 
we have this thing this weekend. It's called the weekend. So it's high school kids, and um, they're at a big house, and they spent the weekend, you know, hearing stories and learning about God and, and just doing different activities. So we had a chance to speak to them last night, and um, it's been on my heart a lot to speak about identity, especially in the times that we're living in, um, you know, who are we are, what, what's our purpose. So that's what we'll, we'll start on today. And so I look at identity, and um, we talk about false identities, social standards, and true identities with God. And so where do we get our identity from? It can come from family. It can come from, you know, mom and dad. That's usually where, you know, you get your identity. If you don't have parents, siblings, um, family legacy, ethnicity, race, culture. Uh, I'm mixed. My dad is black. My mom is white. So I was able to see uh, both sides of, of growing up with that. Uh, geography, you know, I'm a Texan, born and raised here in Amarillo. Um, that could be part of my identity uh, for younger generations, my kids, uh, my grandkids, you know, a lot um, of their identity comes from social media, which is false, right? And so uh, a lot of these young kids have a, a, an image to portray and live up to on social media, which is false. And so all those things um, – were not my identity. Um, I didn't have the complete family unit. My uh, mother was a single parent. My dad, he was around, but he he, he wasn't around with us. I have a uh, half-sister who's six months older than me, and then a half-brother who's a year older than me, so we kind of share with my father most, most time. Um, so I grew up with a single mom, and so, uh, and then, of course, I was taller than everyone else, too, so the first thing I was always asked, you know, can you play basketball? So, you know, that became part of my identity. Um, but those were not part of my true identity. And so when you look at the significance of identity and what that means, let's, let's unpack that a little bit. So I have a quote here from Austrian, and she's a, a writer, and it says, everybody needs meaning because the alternative meaningless is unlivable. And so at Trinity, we've been talking a lot about Imago Dei, and that means created in God's image. We'll talk about that a little bit more. And that just means created in God's image, Imago Dei. Uh, two, the two most important days of your life are the day you were born and the day you found out why. And so knowing the reason for your existence is vital to you living a meaningful life with a purpose, fulfillment, and significance. And so discovering what you were created to do always begins with discovering who you were created to be. So the first question to ask, the first question to ask yourself is, who am I? So I want you to take a moment and just, you know, to yourself, ask that question, who am I? I think we've all been in that season of, you know, who am I, what am I doing, what's my purpose? Um, I think we've all been in that season before. And so the Bible gives us that answer in the first chapter in Genesis. And so just a disclaimer, I'm kind of old school. I don't have a lot of, uh, I don't have any slides. Um, but I'm going to give a lot of scripture today because the Bible is the perfect word of God written by God for man. And our purpose, values, and vision should be based upon the Bible we should hold scripture as the ultimate authority in our life. And so when we talk about things, I will talk about scripture because we have to tie that in because that's truth, right? And as people seek truth today, um, the Bible is truth. And so um, feel free to write your scriptures down if, if you miss one or something. We can always ask you afterwards. Maybe I'll incorporate slides, but um, <laughs> I'm not sure yet. Um, so Genesis 1, 26 and 27 says, then God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. They will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, 
all the wild animals on the earth and all the small animals like the bird and on the grass. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and govern it. Reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and the animals that scurry along the ground. So you, we, all were created in the image of God. And so of all God's creations, human beings are the only ones that were created in his image. So think about that. As you look at this world and you look at all the beautiful things that God has created, uh, animals, uh, oceans, land, trees, flowers, everything that God created, we're the only ones that he created in his image. And so um, God called all that he created good. But when he finished creating human beings, he called it very good. So there's a distinction between good and very good, right? When people ask you, how you doing, what you eat, you good, good. My wife and I try to say well, right? But when God made us, he called us very good. And so we were created with this unique distinction because we are significant. And so Acts 17, 26 says, and he made us from one blood, every nation of men to dwell on all the face of the earth and has determined their pre-appointed times and the boundaries of their dwelling. So back to Imago Day. Imago Day is Latin for the image of God. Two words, Imago, I-M-A-G-O, Day, D-E-I. Imago Day is the Latin for the image of God. And since every human being is created in God's image, then every human being has been given inherent dignity, value, and worth. So we are made of one blood. We are one human race created in the image of God. And your life matters to God. Your life is important because you were made by him and for him. And you were made in his image. Just take a moment just to think about that. God made us in his image. Take a moment to think about the great detail and artistry that went into creating you. Specifically you. Not your husband, not your spouse, not your kids, just you. And so Psalm 139.13 says, You formed my innermost being, shaping my delicate inside and my intricate outside, and wove them all together in my mother's womb. So your DNA is the material that carries instructions for how your body is meant to look, how your body is meant to work. And so every human's DNA contains unique sequences that are unique to them. Uh, there are no repeats. And so we looked at an article at church a while back, uh, published by the Journal of Pharmaceutical and Biomedical Sciences, <coughs> excuse me, that there are over, I practice this number here, okay, there are over 70 trillion, 368 billion, 744 million, 177,664 possible combinations of human DNA. That's, I can wrap my head around that. So there are more combinations of human DNA than stars in the Milky Way galaxy. And so Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are God, God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus, so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. And so you were created intentionally and with a great purpose. And your meaning, the reason for your existence, was communicated by God for the from the beginning of time because he chose you to be in relationship with him before the foundation of the world was even set in place. So before you ever had a chance to know who you are and what you were created to do, God, your heavenly father, already knew you and planned the good things that you would do. Isn't that just great to hear? 
this truth is wonderful and powerful because it shows us that our identity, who we are, can be found when we look to God and our creator. He is the one who made us, and he is the one who gives our lives meaning. And so along with that comes responsibility. We said when we accepted Jesus as our Lord and Savior, it says that we were set apart. So with that comes responsibility. We were created for God's purpose. But why were you created? And why were you created in the image of God? Tomorrow is the first half of the sermon. <coughs> but why? So as we talked about earlier, growing up, I always wanted to be a big fish like Michael Jordan. And when I say I would pray for that, I, I tell us all the time, I, I pray every day. And I would look up, I heard like Michael Jordan one time was like hanging on a pull-up bar and, you know, try to stretch himself out. And I did it. <laughs> Along with my prayers, right? And, um, you know, God blessed me with that height. And so, you know, I love basketball. Basketball was, I know some of you are Olympic Studios, you know, that's what I was, basketball was my life. And I knew in fourth grade I wanted to be a basketball player. I knew that. And so my mother said, that's what you want to do. Okay, that's what we're going to do. And so she helped me with that dream, right? And so she kept me on the straight and narrow path and disciplinarian. And so that was our, that was our goal. That was, our, that was my life. And that was the only dream that I wanted. And so I knew that since God blessed me with this height that I really wasn't supposed to have, that, that, that was his plan for me too. That was his plan, to be a basketball player. Well, I stand before you today, not a basketball NBA player like I wanted to be, not a coach like I wanted to be, but a pastor. And so God had a different purpose for me than I had for myself, right? So the creator has the responsibility to define the purpose of his, of his creation. So this is true of every created thing, uh, that God creates, right? He, he gives a purpose. So if we look at, for example, I drive a big Dodge Ram truck. My wife drives a uh, Toyota CHR. She used to drive a big Jeep, but she, she changed to a CHR, Toyota. So when Dodge made that truck, my truck is for hauling things. It's really not a fuel-efficient fuel commuter. Uh, drinks a lot of gas. My wife's car is fuel-efficient. Uh, Real family car, you know, uh, great on gas. And so um, I can't take her car onto an off-road, onto a trail, like up in the mountains, like I could my truck. But that's not the purpose of it. When Toyota made her car, they made it for a purpose, fuel efficient, great family car. When they made my truck, they made it for off-terrain, for hauling stuff, towing stuff. And so it doesn't make sense for me to use my wife's Toyota CHR to try to go up in the mountains on trails, that's not going to work. That's not what that purpose of that vehicle was for. And so when we look at Acts 17, 24 through 28, it says, He is the God who made the world and everything in it. Since he is Lord of heaven and earth, he doesn't live in man-made temples or human hands can't serve his needs, for he has no needs. He himself gives life and breath to everything, and he satisfies every need. From one man, he created all the nations throughout the whole earth. He decided beforehand when they should rise and fall, and he determined their boundaries. His purpose was for the nations to seek after God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him. Though he is not far from any one of us, for in him we live and move and exist. So we were created for a relationship with God, but we, al we are also carried to carry uh, created to carry responsibility. And so I am associate pastor of Community Life, and so I have just learned um, how important community is. 
my wife and I first got together, she was very independent. You hear that word independent, and you think that's a good thing. And, it, and it, you know, it can be a good thing. But God created us to be in community with others, not to be independent. We are to be dependent on God and what he has for us. And so with that comes responsibility like we talked about. So you were created to carry responsibility whether you want to or not. And so we look at Genesis 2, 5. It says, neither wild plants nor grains were growing on the earth. For the Lord God had not yet sent rain to water the earth, and there were no people to cultivate the soil. Genesis 2.15 says the Lord God placed the man in the Garden of Eden to tend and watch over. And so when we look here, the word here for tend and cultivate is the same. And it means to work and serve. The word here for watch means to preserve. So when we pull it all together, you and I were created to work, serve, and preserve God's creation. So this is the purpose of our creation and how we find our individual purpose. This responsibility brings dignity to our lives. And so a question that I just want you to ask yourself, and Charlie's asked me all these questions on Sunday, those that are, hung, that are younger, it's not homework, it's something to ask yourself. Where in your life do you work, serve, and preserve? So ask yourself, where in my life do I work, serve, and preserve? When we do this, we choose to exercise the influence God has given us in various areas of creation. And the areas of creation that we are created to care for are our families, our church, our business, arts and entertainment, science, media, government, education. Knowing our identity and taking responsibility unlocks the elevated, abundant life and allows us to live in the purpose God has given us, and that's to reign and rule. Walking in this responsibility is a choice, and it is our choices that determine how effective we are in all these spheres of influence, because we all have a sphere of influence, whether that's at your job, at church, uh, if you go to school, wherever that is, we all have a sphere of influence. And when Christians don't want to take responsibility, we find difficulty in fully experiencing God and what he has for us. So finding our significance begins with learning how to love First God, and then others. And so, as I told you earlier, my wife and I, we've been together 20 years. We just celebrated our 10-year anniversary, uh, wedding anniversary. And so that first 10 years, it was, you know, up and down. It looked good on the outside, but, you know, things weren't always good. And we always had a relationship with God. I told you that I prayed to God about my life. Growing up, I had a relationship. With, I, had, I knew God, but to say I had a relationship with him, the relationship takes work, right? It takes sacrifice. It takes some work. If I know something, it's more transactional. So I was praying for God to give me something that I wanted, right? It really wasn't a relationship. And so my wife and I, we, when I was those first 10 years, uh, we knew God, but we didn't have a relationship with God. And so I remember one day we're having an argument, uh, you know, straight up argument. We're arguing, going back and forth, and she just stopped. She just stopped. Going on here, we're supposed to be going back and forth, and she just stopped and like walked off. Oh, what's going on? And uh, I think something else happened a few days later, and she didn't. You know, I'm trying to argue and trying to get my point across, and she didn't. She stopped. But what I started to see was that my wife was focusing on her relationship with God, putting that first even before me, right? Before our kids, the way we're the 
supposed to do. So she was focusing on her relationship with God because she would pray for me. I wasn't the best, okay? I'm, I'm a pastor now, but I wasn't the best pastor, okay? Best husband, the best boyfriend. And so she would pray at me, right? She would see something that she thought I needed to hear, and or she would see scripture, so she would text it to me, and I didn't read that. You know, I looked at it, and I was like, Jesus. And so she went from doing that to, you know, doing nothing. And But I could see she started going to, like, women's group at night. I mean, these women would pray until, like, 2 o'clock in the morning. And I'm like, you're not, you're not over there praying for a full time husband. But she was, and then she started doing Bible studies. And I could see, and we hadn't even talked about it yet, but I could see a change. And I could even feel the change that she was working on her relationship with God. And so that inspired me to do the same, right? And so she was learning how to love God first, and then in return, he showed her how to love herself, and he showed her how to love others, showed her how to love her husband. And so Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven through 40 says, And he said to me, and he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and foremost commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself, and upon these two commandments hang the whole law and the prophets. So as we are learning how to love God and others, we can study the life of Jesus because he was the visible image of our invisible God. And so Colossians 1, 15, uh, 1, 15 through 16 says, Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation, for through him God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. 1 John 5.20, and we know that the Son of God has come, and he has given us understanding so that we can know the true God, and now we live in fellowship with the true God because we live in fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ. He is the only true God, and he is eternal life. So what now? That's the question that I ask myself. So what now? Only God's truth brings transformation. So what now? We call it transformation, right? My wife transformed, which transformed our marriage, which transformed me, which transformed our marriage, which transformed his life. And so transformation, only God's truth brings transformation. His truth is expressed through his written word and personal presence. So 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, We can all draw close to him with the veil removed from our faces, and with no veil we all become like mirrors who brightly reflect the glory of the Lord and Savior. We are being transfigured into his very image as we move from one brighter level of glory to another, and this glorious transfiguration comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. So the more time we spend in the presence of God, the more we are transformed into the image of God. And not just any image, but the specific aspect of himself that he created for us to share with the world. Psalm 119, 105 says, Your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. Romans 12, 2, Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. 
Let me just read that one more time. That way we have we had a translation also. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. So it's important to remember we are created in the image of God, and he is not created in the image of man. When we try to remake God into our own image, we are fashioning an idol that will lead us away from our purpose and our significance. So that means when you're trying to have scripture validate what you're doing, you're trying to change God into the image of man instead of really learning what God has for you and changing into the image of God. And so John 8, 31, 32 says, Jesus said to the people who believed in him, you are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. You don't get free by focusing on the thing that you're trying to get free from. You get free by focusing on the truth that sets you free. His name is Jesus. To know the truth is to love and spend time with him. So that's what my wife did. Like She was focusing on me and my ways and how she could fix me and, and things like that. But when she started focusing on Jesus and her relationship with God, that's when things truly started changing. And she didn't even have to do anything for me. But I could feel it. And we didn't even talk about it, but I could feel it. And then I wanted what she had. I wanted that relationship. And so spending time in the Bible, uh, one of the best ways to spend time in God's presence is to engage with him as you read through the Bible. Scripture opens us up to God's direction and correction. It has huge benefits in our life. And so um, I'd love to give just a couple numbers here. We looked at, uh, our church looked at um, some findings from a few doctors. Uh, this is from the Center of Bible Engagement. And they, they did a study. They polled uh, 40,000 people, ages 8 to 80. And they were looking to see uh, how people were engaging in Scripture, how many people were reading their Bibles. So people who engaged with their Bibles one time per week, including a church service, they had minimal impact on their lives. People who engaged two or three times a week, uh, they had minor, minor improvements. The real revelation significantly shifted on the fourth day. So people that spent at least four days per week reading scripture, studying the Bible, found a few numbers here. Feeling, feeling lonely dropped 30%. Anger issues dropped 32%. Alcoholism, 57%. Sex outside of marriage dropped 68%. Sharing your faith jumped 200%. Discipling others jumped 230%. So that's all incorporated to finding your significance. You were created on purpose for a purpose. And the the uh, search for significance and purpose is found as you love God, you love others, and you love yourself. Second is you spend time in God's presence, allowing him to transform you, and then you begin to exert your influence in the areas he has called you to. True significance is found as you embrace who God created you to be and allow that expression of himself to touch the world around us. And so um, as we're wrapping up our time here today, I just want to leave you with a few uh, things you can, practical steps that you can take, you know, for transformation. And so that first one is we must operate in faith and not let fear win the day. I think the time and age that we're living in, um, I think people are trying to instill a lot of fear in us. 
and fear can cripple you. And so, for God has not given us a spirit of fear. Fear will bring you into the bondage of a limited life and keep you from using the gifts God has given you. God wants us to have an abundant life, and he wants us to use all the gifts that he's given us. God is not the author of that fear that wants to limit and constrict you. God wants us to live a life overflowing. The second one is receive his perfect love, or it will cast out fear. Just like my wife working on her relationship with God, she was working on receiving his love. And so there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love, and that's 1 John 4.18. So I believe that when we realize how loved we are, when we realize how much God loves us, it automatically causes our expectations of God showing up and working on our behalf to rise, right? So when we realize how important we are to him and the price Jesus has paid, not only for deliverance, but for our inheritance, then that gives us the faith that he will come through for us and work through us. And when the power of God's love is realized and received, it truly causes fear and insecurity and everything else that you're facing to flee and allows faith to rise in your heart. The last one here is recognize that God has given us his power. He declared he would give us his Holy Spirit, the Father's blessing. He said that after we, we receive the Holy Spirit, we will have power to be his witnesses. And God is so good because we talk about Holy Spirit, and that's what I'm going to end on. We started worship talking about Holy Spirit, right? And so I'm going to tell you a story about my father-in-law. Hope not in been through uh, the past two years, we've, we've had a lot of stuff in our family, seven or eight deaths, cousins, sisters, aunts, uncles, had a lot of deaths. My mother-in-law passed away. And my mother-in-law and my father-in-law, they, uh, they were married for 15 years. They met when they were in sixth grade, sixth grade. <laughs> That's amazing. They met when they were in sixth grade. So my father-in-law and mother-in-law, they, they are wonderful people. My father-in-law, he knew God. He knows God. He knew God during this time. Um, but the, to say he had a relationship, we weren't there yet. And so my mother-in-law gets sick, and she's in the hospital. And uh, she's been there about a month. And so we, we prayed, and... We did a lot. We did everything that we, we knew we could do. So my father-in-law, in, during COVID, um, he would go up there, and he's the only one that could go up there at, at times. And he was up there, and you know, he was like, you know, I don't know what else to do. And so my wife started sending him uh, scriptures to pray over her and to go to war for her and war for his wife. So that's what he started doing. And like I said, I told you, my father-in-law, he's a great man. He knew God. He was. Just a perfect example of marriage. But we didn't know what to do. And so one day he said to uh, my wife's daughter, you know, I, I, he's like, I don't know what to pray anymore. But I was praying and, and I didn't know what to say anymore. He said, but things were just coming out of my mouth. And he's like, I think the Bible calls that utterances. Or he's like, I don't know what it was. Well, 
That was his prayer language. And so Holy Spirit descended upon him and was leading him and guiding him and helping him pray for his wife. Now, during that time, we, you know, we had faith that, you know, God would answer that, um, but he didn't. So he called my mother-in-law home. And so I was, gosh, I was just so afraid of, you know, how my father-in-law would make it. I mean, you've been with somebody for 50 years. That's all you know. How do you go? I've been with my wife for 20 years. I don't know what I'd do without her. And so you just double that. And so I didn't know how he would make it. And so the only way he's made it is Holy Spirit. And so he wakes up every day, and he invites Holy Spirit to come and deal with us because we're in the presence. That's what we do. We invite Holy Spirit. We're inviting the presence of God to come into this place. And so my father-in-law invites the presence of God, Holy Spirit, to come into his life and to help him start his day every day like this. And it's been crazy because my wife and I have been praying for this. We've been praying for this. It didn't look the way we want it to look because my mother-in-law isn't here. But God knows. And God's timing is perfect. It's not always our timing. It's not always what we desire. But it's perfect. And so now this man wakes up every day. And he asked Holy Spirit to come. And that may look like making some food, taking it to the homeless. It'll make something just taste and hear and taste. God, thank you for what you're doing. Where I go today, here I go through you. That's how he lives his life. And so that's what I want to encourage you today is that purpose and um, that why. And, you know, hopefully we unpack some things to know who you are, what you why God created you, how he created you, in his image, and the purpose and what that's for. And so as I leave today, I'm just encouraged by this church. Um, worship was amazing. Uh, I mean, we met some, some awesome people. This is an awesome congregation. So I just, before I go, um, just want to pray for you guys during this transition. I know it can be uh, difficult at times, and you're just unsure what's going to happen, but we serve an awesome God. He's going to find the right person for you. And so, Father, we just thank you today. I thank you for our time together. Father, I just pray for uh, this amazing church, Journey Church. We just pray that your blessings reach and touch everyone in this congregation, Father. We pray that uh, your timing is perfect, and we thank you for that perfect timing, Father. And I just pray a blessing over everyone and their families uh, during this transition. We just pray your shalom peace, Father, uh, during this time. And we know, Father, that you will put the right person at the right time in the right place, Father. And we thank you for it. We thank you for our time together. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you guys so much.